Camilla, you'll never believe this agent says he wants me to go and sing in Linz. She said, where's Linz? I said, it's in Austria. You mean where Vienna and Salzburg are? I never heard of it. Welcome to episode 9 of Counter Melody. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach. I am so pleased to bring you today part 2 of my interview with Janet Williams. That was she that we just heard speaking about her teacher, Camilla Williams. I am so gratified at the responses that I've been getting for the latest episodes. Also, my listenership is way up, so I'm very grateful for that as well. You're doing a lot to buoy up the spirits of a tired and perpetually depressed person. So, you really do have my gratitude. Thank you very much. Today on episode 9, I return to my interview with Janet Williams, and we discuss the time that we spent together in Marilla, both before and after that auspicious summer. I look forward to sharing this with you. And then comes the period when you and I first got to know each other, right? Well, was... something happened before that. Oh, okay, tell us about, about that part first. So um, Maybe I don't know this part. I had done the San Antonio Festival two summers before I met you. Okay. And at the San Antonio Festival, the Deutsche Oper was bringing a gospel of Carmen and William Tell to the festival. And we were hired as... The college singers were hired as chorus members. We worked with Gertz Friedrich. He was the director, and it was a very professional thing. I met Harold Blackwell there. She was singing Jemmy and William Tell. I heard a recent interview with Harold and Blackwell. I think it was part of the Met Guilds. I think they did this during Black History Month or something. And she was speaking about singing Jemmy in that production. That's right. I think it was one of the first things that she did. It was one of the first things she did. And she was Mm -hmm. so poised and so... Yes. And I looked up to her. I thought, it's so nice to see, to meet a black singer. Because it was unusual at that time, you know, yes, you're all, it's yes. always just one of us. <laughs> right. And there she was, and we were invited to several homes in that area um, for black sponsors who invited Harolyn and myself oh, so. to things. So we were there together very often. You were the two tokens yeah, at the that two point, tokens. right? <laughs> yeah. I would let me be a token. I didn't care. I wanted to sing. Yes, of course. That summer, I fell in love with one of the stagehands who was a German guy. Oh, God. So, I mean, I feel hard in love. (laughs) 
at the end of the festival, Gertz Friedrich said, if any of you are ever in Berlin, look me up. I'd love to hear you come and sing for me. He was the intendant at the Deutsche Oper right. for years. Right. And uh, in fact, now I work a lot with his wife, uh, Karen Armstrong, Karen Armstrong right. at the Lotte Lehmann Academy. Yes. Both teachers there. Gertz Friedrich was an icon in the opera scene in West Berlin and at the Deutsche Oper and did a lot of work outside of Germany as well. So that was just a happenstance, happenstance no, again in no quotes, in, in scare quotes, that you ended up down in Texas doing this. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. But it's not happenstance. No, not of, of course not. It's synchronicity. Not. Of course not. Of and course. it's the one thing that Camilla said, okay, you can do it, you know, because we had to always ask her permission. Yes, to before run it we by went. her, yeah. There were several things. She was like, now. <laughs> <laughs> But this was okay. This was okay because it was Mr. Oprah Friedrich. was going to be yeah. there. Goods Friedrich and so forth. And we were only doing chorus. So how can you hurt yourself doing chorus? Me and the guy, we continued our relationship and he came to Bloomington several times. I took him down. So he worked at the Deutsche Oper. Yes. So he had come over to he work was, on the They crew. brought the whole company. They brought everything on. Yeah, yeah. You know, those were the days of yeah, milk indeed. and honey. Of course, of course. <laughs> So they, they brought even the requisite people, you know, really. Anyway, Uva looked like a statue. You know those statues? Oh. <laughs> this just buff, beautiful. Why'd you come in here looking like that in your cowboy boots and your painted on jeans? All decked out like a cowboy's dream. Why'd you come in here looking like that? All that, okay. So. <laughs> okay, yes. Leave it to your imagination, people. Yes, Just conjure up some images of, of German gods, yes. So my graduation present for getting my master's was to have a trip to Germany. So my parents gave me a ticket, and of course I stayed with Uwe, who was the love of my life at that time. And Uva was still working at the Deutsche Oper. Also, we had met in San Antonio the photographers of the Deutsche Oper, Jürgen and Peter. They were there in, back in Berlin, and we all got together several times. And at one point, Jürgen said, oh, you know, there's going to be an audition, a stage audition that's kind of an open call. Do you want to sing for Goods Friedrich? And I was like, yes, that would be perfect. Well, he had said, get He's, in touch. That's what I said. He I'm said surprised he wasn't the first person you called once you... I was you too know, in love. You know, I was, I yes, was of thinking course. about other things. Yes, of So, course. I do get off track. Wait a minute. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so I went and I sang for Goods Friedrich. And he spoke to me afterwards. He says, you're lovely. If I had a studio, I would invite you to join the studio. But you're not quite ready for repertoire theater yet. I'm going to, however, send you to an agent friend of mine who might be able to find a smaller house for you to do some of your repertoire. In. A German house, yeah, yes. A German house. Said, do you remember oh who God. the agent was? Um, was it someone you sang, worked he was, with? He found it surely No, or not? he was in Dusseldorf. Okay. Uh, started with a P. I think he might be dead now. <laughs> it was 100 years ago. You know? Wow, I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember it like it was yesterday. I went to sing for him, and he says, okay, I'm going to send you, they're looking for a Frau Flute in Linz. 
I'm going to send you... For, for lustigen Weiber yes. von Finsor, yes. Nikolai. Exactly. Mm -hmm. so Nun I, alt herbei. Nun alt herbei. And I said, okay, wonderful, I'm, I'll go. And he set up the audition. So the first thing I do is I get into a phone booth. There were phone booths then. Yes, back in the and day. And I got on the call. I had all my change ready to call Camilla. I was so excited. I had my first German audition, and yes. now I was be being sent for my first German role, possibly. Here's Camilla's reaction. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Camilla, you'll never believe. I saved her good Friedrich. And I mean, he really liked me. He wanted me if they yes. had a studio, but they don't have a studio. So he sent me to his agent, and this agent sent me and says he wants me to go and sing for Frau Flute in Linz. Hmm. I said, hello? Hello? <laughs> All these bad international Bad international. Ones. I, don't hear, I don't think I heard you. <laughs> she said, Lentz. <laughs> she said, I never heard of Lentz. Where is, where is Lentz? I said, it's in Austria. You mean where Vienna and Salzburg are? I said, yes. She says, I never heard of it. What is that, a D house? <laughs> now, I don't, I don't mean any disrespect to the Lentz Opera House. No, not of course not. This is Camilla's reaction. And she said to me, you want to go into a C or D house and leave your voice on the stage there? I said, what are you talking about? She says, what Goods Friedrich told you is that you're not ready, my dear. You're not ready ready. You need a little bit more work. You need to come back to Indiana, give yourself one more year of study. I told you you weren't quite ready. And I said, but I graduated. She's like, so what? Start your doctorate. I said, Miss Williams, this is a big chance for me. A big chance to lose your voice. Do you, <laughs> wow. you want to sing a long time or do you just want to be a flash in the pan? So I thought about it, and I packed my stuff, and I went back home. And I went back to Indiana. She was a hard task mistress. Oh, she didn't she? play, honey. Camilla did not play. I, I had no apartment. I had nothing. And I stayed with a friend, Paula Ingram, who, who's now Paula Coleman, also a fellow singer, and her daughter. So we, her daughter and I shared a bedroom, and I started my doctoral program. I had lessons for one more year, and in that year, I think my mindset changed. I saw what was possible, and I saw where I was, and I saw it very honestly. I'm not ready for the houses where I want to sing. I'm not going to sing at all these little houses. I want to go in with a splash. So that's what I decided to do. And that year, I had the Marilla auditions, and I got in. That, that next summer, and that's when we met. Yes, yes, indeed.
I remember my Merrill audition as well, and it was a terrifying thing. But I sang and played the Monostatos aria from Zauberflöte wow. from open score, and I guess I impressed them. It was the one thing I could do of all of the audition material, and that was what they asked for. Wow. I was, I, I was dreadful in everything else. Act one of Carmen, this and that. Uh, so much stuff you had to prepare, yes. and it was the one thing that I could actually do that I knew would be impressive. So I sang it. it was right after the lunch hour and not everybody was back and there was only one person that heard me and I think that's why I got it. <laughs> but yeah. Who was that? Who heard Bob you? Bob Baustian. Oh, Bob You remember Baustian. him? He was a conductor and okay. he was definitely one of the people on the totem pole. He wasn't the top of the totem pole, but evidently. Well, evidently I, he had enough. Well, he had enough, enough clout to get me in there, so I don't know. Did they do auditions in Indiana for that? No, in Chicago. Oh, you went to Chicago too? Yes. So were you maybe in Chicago we were on the same day, Janet. I was in school in Urbana, so maybe we were even there at the we same day. We, we could, could have, have been. been. Synchronicity. Yes, there you have it. There you have it. There you have it. Okay, so Marilla. Oh my God. So this is... Let me just say, I yes. think Marilla is one of the mm. premier programs for young artists starting out today. And it still is. Yes, it still and is. And I say that because I see so many programs here in Germany, in Italy, and other places where the singers have to pay to learn their roles. Dear. Thousands of euros. Do you hear me? Thousands. Yeah. I mean, we had a stipend, at least, at, at Marilla. It wasn't a huge amount, but we, we got a weekly stipend. We were paid to sing. And yes. we were given housing. Yes, We were that's given right. sponsors. That's right. Well, we didn't just have a stipend. We were taken care of. And that's we right. had money given to us that we earned because we were working, learning our, our materials, and we were going to put on an opera at the end of that summer. And we were paid for that. And I think that there's such an important quality of artists being paid for the work that they're doing. And today, artists paying to do yes. the work.
Somewhere online, I remember this a number of years ago, we found a photo of you as Lauretta and Gianni Schicchi. <laughs> yes. at, at, that was at Stern Grove, right? Yes, at Stern. The year that we were in Merola together, the operas were two of the three of the Trittico of Puccini, Suar Angelica and Gianni Schicchi. And I don't think you were even in, were you Genovieffa? No. no. And you weren't in the in the Pasquale, although that would also have I been a nice role for you. Did Pasquale. you ever do Norina? I never did Norina. No. I, I did not like Norina. Oh, I hated that opera. I did not Can like I tell that. you, I toured that damn thing with Western <laughs> Opera Theater. I hated those characters. I found her to be the nastiest little yes. viper. <laughs> you and know, I never liked to have to, a lot of wordy stuff. Oh, and as that a was, and it was so wordy. It was all words. And yeah. uh, I, I just couldn't find my line in it. I just hated it. Okay, so I'm going to jump in here just for a second, not really to play devil's advocate, but to say that there is indeed some very beautiful music in Don Pasquale. So I'm going to play for you just as an antidote to our vitriol against Donizetti and his poor innocent opera. I'm going to play you a little clip from from a 1974 performance of Don Pasquale at the Lyric Opera of Chicago. It's the most beautiful part of the score, in my opinion. It's the duet between Norina and Ernesto from the third act. And in this performance, we're going to hear Alfredo Kraus, who Janet discusses later, and one of my favorite singers, Ileana Kotrubash. Really, the only thing lacking here is that she doesn't really have a trill. But that's it. Other than that, it's absolutely exquisite and just pitch perfect.
In fact, Norena reminded me in another season later, I sang Elvira in Marilyn Horne's last Isabel. In Italiano in, in Algeria. Elvira is exactly the same. She's just patter, 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 <laughs> way up at the top of your range. And I just thought to myself, oh my God, I hate her. I, so I hate her. <laughs> I, just, I hate her. And I do not ever want to sing her again. Unfortunately, I did not have the advice that Marilyn Horne gave me when she was singing the Isabella and heard me singing the Alvira. She says, Janet, may I give you a little advice? I said, please. And she said, don't open your mouth so much. Don't overpronounce. Just right on the tips of your teeth, your lips and your tongue, and try to imagine just very, very, very little movement. It worked. That's, it was perfect, yeah. and I could finally find my line. And of course, yeah. she was the mistress of that repertoire, Absolutely. was she not? So even she in her knew. own range, she yes. knew how to get the text yes. right out there. mentor after, after that production. Yeah. But yes, Marilyn was a, a wonderful thing and I can remember singing, you know how we all had to sing and the pianists also played our auditions. Oh yes, I should even say, I mean, I wasn't a singer at that time. Amazing. I was one of the I pianists. Know. I yeah. know. Although we did do, I, I we did do say... a few uh, reenactments because when I was in grad school, my friend Peter and I used to sit in the opera rehearsal room the last year that I was at U of I, right before I went to Marilyn. My last year, my assistant was in the opera department and we would scream through the end of the Istein Traum duet. He would sing Sophie, like screaming no. these high Bs no. and I would sing Octavia. No. I had a beautiful <laughs> high G at that point. So I just sang it and he was like screaming these high Bs. And then we actually did some drag recitals. I mean, I had this persona named Daniela della Scarpone. And when I went out to Marilla, I had already done a couple of those. Well, Daniela made an appearance at one of our parties. Do you remember? I, 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 please remind Daniela me. Daniela made an appearance. I remember what Daniela sang. Daniela sang Visidarte. Oh, yes, of I course. will never forget it because I didn't know that you sang at that point. And I was the real thing. Can we just say, I always oh. said that I should get myself <laughs> up in drag and go to City Opera and do an audition for Santuzza and I would get the part. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, I was like, I mean, it was a ballsy sound, if you'll forgive it, me. <laughs> what a pun, yes. yes. <laughs> but it was full and rich yes. and beautiful. And I remember my mouth was just hanging open. I said, that's Dan. Dan is singing. But I didn't do it. I didn't dress up or anything. It no. was just at a party. We I just, impersonated Tosca, of course, exactly. but it was just, yeah. Just at a party. And from then on, I was like, why don't you sing Kano Tenor? Why don't you sing this? this why don't you sing? And eventually, <laughs> eventually, eventually that when I when I moved to New York after the Western right. Opera Theater tour, I contacted Iris Siff, who's also going to be a guest on one Wonderful. of my podcasts. And, and I did an audition. I also sang Visidarte yes. for them. Yes. And I remember when I did the audition for Ira and Ross uh, Berentine to get into Francena. You know, there's this whole story of, I think it was Maria Yeritsa when she was doing a rehearsal for Tosca and she was manhandled by the Scarpia and ended up prone on the floor. And she didn't get up. She just sang Visidarte from the floor. And Puccini said, it's a sign from God. Never do it any other way. So I, and I remember doing this at that party too. I would just be standing there and all of a sudden I would fall in the slump on the floor. And then I started singing Visidarte from the floor. Yeah, exactly. But lying there on the floor. That was how I always started it. And that's, so that's how I did the audition for Granchena too. And I got in. Very effective. And I sang okay. with them for a year and a half. And yeah. yeah. So, and the rest so is history. It, well, the rest is whatever history it is, but yes. all this talk of me and Daniela della Scarpone, I'm only sorry that I don't currently have in my possession any archival material of my performances, because they're really good and really fun. But I did, of course, go on to do quite a bit of singing, in fact, and I do have a clip from a concert that I did with my dear departed friend Lloyd Ariola almost exactly four years ago, and I'm just going to play you a little clip of us doing My Ship by Court Vive. Oh. 
But you didn't join us on the Western Opera Theater tour because the tour was Don Pasquale. No, that was not the reason. The reason was... But you did, did they want you to do Norina for the tour? They did, but okay. I told them I didn't feel comfortable yes. singing Norina. I don't like that chippy, nasty I didn't girl. say it that way. No. I, just said, <laughs> I just don't think I can sing it really well. And if you're on tour, Camilla advised me against it. She awesome. says, if you're going on tour, you have to be ready to sing that role. You should be able to roll out of bed and sing it. And I was still kind of struggling with all that patter. I hadn't had my lesson with Marilyn Horn yet. And so they gave me the first Marilyn Advanced Training Award. Oh, we were all a Twitter about this much before Twitter actually became a thing. But you know why yes. that happened? And I'm, I'm sure this is why it happened. We all had that audition for Terry McEwen. Terry McEwen was the general director. I sang Pamina in this audition. He looked up and he said, who is your voice teacher? And I said, Camilla Williams. He says, I knew it. That's who your sound reminds me of. I love Camilla Williams. So, you know, we were having this conversation. I was on stage, he was in the house, and everybody in the sides were like trying to hear, what is he saying? Why is he talking to her? Why is she, you know? He said... I can't remember if I played for you I, or not. I think you might have. But he said, please give Camilla my regards. She's one of my favorite singers. And of course, when I told Camilla that, she was just, you know, like a peacock. A glow, oh my of God. course. Of course, I remember Terry McEwen. Can we, we'll just say a word about Terry McEwen, because I'm, people may not remember who he yeah. was. He was the head of Decca London Records, right. and he was brought in By to Kurt Adler. Kurt, Kurt Herbert Adler. Yeah, to right. take over. Right. As the general director of San right. Francisco. And it was quite controversial at the time because he had no experience working okay. in an opera I didn't house. Know that. But he guided He the, lasted a number of years yes, there though. Yeah, yes, yeah. Did. After that. That Maryland Advanced Training Grant allowed me yeah. to stay in San Francisco and cover all the operas in that fall season and the spring. So because I was, that an was an, fellow. Yes, you became an Adler yeah. Fellow after that year of study. Right. No, we weren't none of us were particularly surprised because they were already you were clearly they were kind spatial. Of me. They were you would grooming. you were being groomed. <laughs> as people were. Uh, yeah. yes. yes. I mean and yes. we knew who was being groomed and who was not. Yeah. See I covered Ruth Ann Swenson, everything she did. Yes. <laughs> And Cheryl Parrish, those two. I in that first year when you were in the Maryland Advanced, Advanced Training thing. Right. Do you remember what roles you were covering? I covered Juliette in mm. uh, Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. She sang that with Alfredo Krauss, I'll never forget. Oh my God. And he was fabulous. He, must, he was in his late 60s. Yes. And he was like a young boy on Yes. I covered Blanche. In, in Blanche. Yeah. 
And Susan Patterson was singing the um, Constanze. Constanze. She went to IU as well. She yes, was studying she with Virginia Zayani. Anyway, that night from the Cozy, I was in the audience because if you were covering, you always had to be in the house. Gianna Rolandi was singing Despina. She was wonderful and also a wonderful colleague. video so I could see the different staging and I would practice it in my apartment so I knew what I was supposed to do. I'm in the house and then somebody comes up to the box where all the covers sit and they said, Janet, you're on. And I said, on where? On what? <laughs> <laughs> because I just heard her. She was, she sounded fine. Right. So in other words, they came to you at the interval, at the interval between Act 1 and 2. And they said, you just get downstairs, get backstage right now. And they threw me in one of the chorus members' costumes. It was a maid's costume. They threw some makeup on me and a wig. I don't know where it, where it appeared from. And pushed me out on the stage. And there I was. These are the sort of things that we have, like, anxiety dreams when someone, like, grabs you. I know. You don't know the part. You don't know the the words. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I knew the words, and I knew the part, and I was determined if I went on, I was going to be professional about it. It was sort of like when you did the harp ensemble. Exactly. It was like, oh, I guess I better step (laughs) up to the plate. step up to the plate. Yes. Well, that night, there were all these critics in the house because they were in town for Parsifal, which was the next night. Parsifal. The premiere of Parsifal. The premiere of Parsifal, and I, my debut was supposed to be as a flower maid. As a blooming maid, yes. yeah. And instead, I debuted as Despina. 
in the second act. The night before. And they all wrote about it. The New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, the Washington Post. I remember seeing, see, that's what I remember. I was conflating two different stories because I remember when someone came out, you know, when they announced the Adlers and we knew that you had gotten an Adler, but that was when I was on the bus. But then I saw in the newspaper about the Despina when I, because I was already living in New York. Oh, I was just besides myself (laughs) with with excitement. Yes. It was an exciting time. Yes. And a wonderful way to start. I look back on all of those serendipitous moments. Yes. And I'm very grateful because I do realize it was a lot of grace and luck involved. And also being prepared, but... Yes, exactly. You have to be prepared, but it was meant to be. But that was another thing that was drilled into you by Camilla. And that preparation was, yes. was so important. She was, I think, by far the largest influence on my life as an artist. She taught me style. She was really meticulous about German leader. Yes. I knew a lot of leader because we all had to sing leader, even though we were in an opera program. We would say, why do we have to learn all this leader? And then I started to love leader, and I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. I didn't sing a lot of leader in, yeah. in undergrad. talked about when I first started listening to Kathleen Battle, who was also one of my Yes, favorites. yes. This is something that I always will be presenting to all of my guests to ask them to name three singers. So you've right. already named three. In fact, right. Miss Ross, Miss yes. Price, <laughs> and Joan Sutherland yes, as particularly yes, formative. Exactly. But there are others as well. I'd love you to, to mention no, that. No, the reason I bring up Kathleen Battle. Battle is because we were often compared. I was compared to yes. Kathleen Battle. She wasn't mm-hmm. ever compared to me.
remember at that audition, Terry McEwen said to me, you know, you could make a living off of Kathleen Battle's hand-me-downs. <laughs> and mm. I was like, wow, thanks, I think. <laughs> and she was, and, and at that point, I mean, she, was, she hadn't been fired from the oh, Met no, yet. No, she no. was still, she was, she was very much at the peak. She was at the, yeah, yeah. and she was having, she had just done a PBS special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I learned how to sing pianissimo, listening to Kathleen Battle. And I thought, she makes it so easy. Why does she do that? And like I always did, I just imitated it. And it was like, oh, wow, Ooh, it came. Do you know, look, I am such a strong advocate of listening to other singers, not to learn one's roles. That's not the purpose, I don't think, of listening to recordings. Right, but to find one's own voice. There's so much that can be learned from listening to singers. Which is why a podcast like the one that you're doing is so important. Do you know I had a student who didn't know who Joan Sutherland was? Oh, man. Oh, I could weep. You can weep. Then I have to think about it. Don't weep. That's no, I, when I no, but it's our it, responsibility it then, our isn't it? It is our responsibility. She was just starting at the Hochschule. Remember, I Janet, didn't you know, didn't know who those people were either. I didn't know who either. Teen Price was, and she was an icon already. So I thought, I said, Janet, you need to start telling your students more about who they should listen to, and not just the people who are singing today. But the people who came before those people who are singing right. today as well. And this is what you've always done and always shared. But this has and been now my it's passion. What you're doing. And it's it is my passion. And, and it's that, important. Yes, it's it very important. important. It's very important. I'm not doing this for didactic reasons, I'm doing it for love. Yes. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I still want to find out how you ended up in Berlin of all places. So how did you go from being an Adler fellow to somehow being fest at the Berliner Staatsoper? Ich hab noch einen in Berlin. The last year of my Adler Fellowship, I got a grant to go and study with Regine Crispin. Yes, and this is another singer who I love so much, and And she was a big influence on you. Yes, huge. And so my family, I had an amount of money, but my family and friends got together and decided to present a debut recital for me in Detroit. So there I was. As a fundraiser. As a fundraiser. Mm -hmm. As a fundraiser. They sold out Orchestra Hall. They had billboards. And I mean, it was was publicity as if I were a star, because people were like, who is this? As if. As As if. If. As if I were. I'm serious. (laughs) That's how David DiChiara came into my life as well. And another important mentor for you. One of my most important mentors. He gave me so many opportunities to... So it was when you were 
were doing the benefit to raise money to go study right. with Crespin. Exactly. So David Dicker only came into your life after you had left to go study yes. in Indiana and then go yes. on to San Francisco. Exactly. He Michigan. knew about me because yes. he was one of the members of the jury of the Met auditions. Awesome. And I did the regionals in Michigan mm -hmm. and I got a prize, but I didn't get sent to the finals. So he had heard me and he was very complimentary, but there's so many singers yes, on his radar. And because I was from He Detroit, was Michigan Opera Theater just to, as a background for people. He was the founder and the motor behind bringing opera to Detroit. Yes. Okay? Because I was from Detroit, he was interested in watching my development. So... But I didn't know at the time how to keep in touch, you know, to send a note or I just... Well, this was back out. in the ancient days when, you know, it wasn't so easy to keep in touch with people yeah. via internet and all of that. This was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm getting ahead of myself. Yes. David DiChiara, I then I met him at, these, at this recital, and the recital yes. raised a lot of money for me, and I got all of it to go study and live in Paris, work with Regine. Regine introduced me to her teacher. And Regine had had a major part of her career in San Francisco. Yes. And had you worked with her before? Yes, she gave yes. master classes right. uh, for the Adler Films. Because often they did this as part of Marilla. With the year we did it, we didn't really yeah. have any big people, but they always, I, I mean, Leontine or right. Regine right. or uh, various other people who, who were really- Did uh, I tell you the story of sense. meeting Regine? This is a really true story. So we go to the master class, and she's like, okay, I need a break. And she lights up a cigarette in the room and smokes her cigarette, <laughs> okay? Yes. And we're like, oh, Regina Span is smoking, oh my God, in the, in the building. Okay, my darlings, let's start again. And when I was in Paris, you know, we'd have these long lessons and she'd take a break and always smoke her cigarette. And then we come right back to singing. I don't know how I was singing in a room full of smoke, but I did. Anyway, she um, introduced me to her agent, and her agent sent me to Lyon to audition for the Lyon Opera, and they offered me Echo in Ariadne of Naxos. So Lyon was okay where Linz wasn't. Lyon was fine. <laughs> yes. Lyon was fine. It was France. They offered you one of the nymphs in Ariadne. Yes. Mm -hmm. The Echo. Echo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
after that, they offered me other things. So I, I went back to sing Zerlina and I sang um, mm. Pamina there. Was that your first Pamina or did you do it in San Francisco too? My first Pamina was at Wolf Trap. From there, I was leaving Lyon and going to London to visit some friends who were singing in Carmen Jones. Beat out that rhythm on a drum. Beat out that rhythm on a drum. Beat out that rhythm on a drum. And I don't need no tune at all. And I got a call from my agent and he said, Janet, before you come back, go to Berlin. They're looking for Cleopatra and sing for the Stazzo. And we'll just say, that's not Cleopatra in Giulio not, Cesare. But I didn't know that at the time. You thought, I thought oh, okay, was, you thought I it was... I thought it was the Giulio, Giulio Cesare, Cesare from Handel. And so I did the audition, and it was a house audition, so it was on stage, and I sang Se Pietà di me non senti. because I said, um, Guten Tag, my name is Janet Williams and ich möchte gerne die Aria Se Pietà di me non senti <laughs> von Handel's Giulio Cesare. Awesome, and then okay. back in the hall, somewhere in the dark, I heard this voice, Cesare. I said, huh? Cesare? <laughs> yeah, Giulio Cesare. He said, it's Cesare, Cesare. I said, oh, it's in Chuligum. Yeah, Cesare, Cesare. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. And I said, whatever. And I sang the, ar- the aria, and later they told me that it wasn't the handle, but it was the ground. And did I know that? And I said, no, I didn't know that. But I don't care. I would love to sing the ground as well. So there's a, another much lesser known Baroque composer named Karl Heinrich Karl Graun Heinrich or something Graun. like this. Karl Heinrich Graun, they were doing this production because the Staatsoper had just reopened after the wall had come down. And this was Daniel Barenboim's first season as the music director, and Georg Vander was the uh, intendant. And they decided, first they were going to open with Parsifal. Parsifal has followed me as well. Then Kvanda suggested, wouldn't it be nice, it's the 250-year anniversary of the opening of this opera house, and it opened with grounds Cleopatra Cesare. So wouldn't it be a great idea to start this new era with this opera that opened the opera house when it was first built? So that's what they did. And that's why they were looking at the last minute for a cast.
And you never left. No, because the first day of rehearsals, I walk into the rehearsal room and there is the man who was directing who ended up being my husband. Okay, I only plan to stay for two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, as serendipity would have it, Yes. Uh, here I am, 27 years I'm now 27 years. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, it's amazing. It's verliebt, verliebt. Ich kann kaum noch denken. Ich bin verliebt. Warum ich verrenken? Dieses Hochgefühl, dass ich's schaffen kann. Dieses Hochgefühl. Ja, es ist mein Mann. ich will zum Himmel I look forward to seeing you next week. I've decided at that time to present you with a special episode about Régine Crespin. And the week after that, we will conclude with the final chapter of the Janet Williams interview. Thank you to Alan Segal for the musical underscoring and to my producer, Steve Robinson, for his invaluable assistance in getting this podcast out to you, my dear listeners, to whom I also extend my deepest gratitude. Until then, my friends, keep this song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach.